a series called Starting Strong. And what we've been talking about is what does it look like when the church um, uh, is filled with the Holy Spirit, when you have a community, this early church, the very first church uh, that we know about, right? Jesus ascends to heaven and all of a sudden the disciples are by themselves. And they don't know what to do. They've never, the only instruction they have is uh, really not instruction at all, but it's Jesus saying, you will be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, and uh, even to the remotest parts of the earth. And they're like, cool. What does that mean? You know? And this is them trying to figure it all out. So I'm sorry, my iPad is not working very well. Uh, can you tell me which network that's hooked up to? If it's Sanctuary Tech, that would be helpful. All right, sorry about that. Hello, Facebook Live friends. Glad you're here too, watching me fumble around with my technology, which is always so wonderful. Um, and so uh, what we've been talking about is looking at different ways the Holy Spirit was um, communicating with, was um, 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 empowering. Lots of wacky things were happening at that time. Um, there were people were speaking in tongues. It was just, there was healings. There was all these types of things. But then something began to change, and this is what I want to talk about this morning. We are in uh, an election uh, week. This is the week we get a new president, and um, from all the polls that I can read, uh, nobody's very excited about either candidate. Um, And so... uh, uh, there's lots of fear about what, you know, what's going to happen and, um, uh, you know, who, who's going to, uh, thank you very much, uh, who's going to get in power and, 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 and what's going to happen with the Supreme Court justices and all this kind of stuff. And here's my word for this morning. Everything is going to be fine. <laughs> Everything is going to be fine. Now, now, like I said before, our church is kind of split right down the middle. So uh, if your person wins, congratulations. And if your person wins, congratulations, because the Republicans are over here and the Democrats are over here. So I talked to each one. Uh, no, I was, I'm kidding. Jesus said this, the gates of hell. Now, maybe you're not excited about either candidate, but I don't think they measure quite up to the gates of hell, okay? Some of you are like, oh, I don't know. You know I, I, I get that. I get that. And, and, I'll, and I'll, whichever side you're on, I'll agree with you uh, in some cases. But uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against the gathering. You say, well, John, what about, what about if we, uh, thank you very much, what about if we lose our nonprofit status, if the government takes it away and now we won't become a, the church won't be tax exempt anymore? Everything's going to be okay. The early church did not have tax exempt status, <laughs> okay? Uh, pastors, I don't know if you knew this, but pastors have this thing called housing allowance, and it allows pastors to write off their entire rent uh, as tax-free. The president gets to do this as well, and some people in the military, and that's been taught, we, they, there's been some legislation talking about taking that away, and so these pastors, if, 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 you, if your rent is, say, 2500 bucks a month, you'll end up paying about an extra five grand in taxes, these, these pastors, rabbis, imams, uh, all, all these people, and, and if that happens... Everything's going to be okay. 
The gates of hell will not prevail against the gathering. So that's one thing I wanted you to get this morning. Another thing is this. God seems to be okay with persecution. God seems to be okay with you and I going through difficulty. He seems to be okay with you and I going through trials. God seems to be okay with the church being talked poorly about. He seems to be okay with Christians being talked poorly about in the workplace, students being talked poorly about at school. He seems to be okay with Christians being made fun of. God seems to be okay with this. Why? Well, what I want to do this morning is look at a, a kind of a, 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 a section of narrative that's in the book of Acts. We've been going through the book of Acts that talks about uh, Paul's life and what God allowed him to go through and maybe why. And then maybe we can look at a little bit at our own lives and maybe we're going through something and maybe we have a different outlook on it. Because unfortunately, in our culture, comfort is king. Uh, pleasure, comfort, uh, taking the easy road, those are all king. And listen, I, am, I drive a comfortable car and I sit in a comfortable couch. I, I am going to be talking to myself just as much as I'm talking to you guys. I'm, I'm with you. But one of the things we talked about in this series was kind of pushing back against some of the narratives that culture is giving us. We've talked several times about the fact that if we just lift our legs up and just go, the current of culture will take us to a place we don't want to go. And so we talk about personal rights and uh, making, you know, making sure we're not offended by anything and, and, and our needs need to be met and we need to be self-actualized and we're the most important person on the planet. And the Bible just doesn't support that culture. And as you'll see in this next story, sometimes God, for some reason, allows struggle, allows conflict, allows pain, allows humiliation, allows discomfort. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you a little map um, just because I feel like it because I sometimes when you kind of can see where all this stuff was happening, it helps your brain a little bit. Um, and so this is a map of Turkey, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, uh, Israel, and Lebanon. Um, and so you can see Israel down there. Jerusalem is about in the center uh, of that, but you know, and so um, where we're going to be talking about is actually Turkey. <laughs> the Apostle Paul uh, did a lot of ministry in Turkey to uh, the Gentiles. And so, um, but I want you to see this. From where Jerusalem is to this first city, Iconium, is about 700 miles. Okay, so it's a far away from Jerusalem. Now, Paul, when he went to get to Iconium, he actually took a, a, a boat to Cyprus first, and he shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus, all over that island. And then he uh, went up into, um, into one of the coastal cities there and then shot up to Iconium. So this is where we're talking about, is present-day Turkey. I just thought that was fascinating for those of you who like this kind of stuff. I hope you do too. And so here's what happened. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual, this is their typical practice, into the Jewish synagogue. 
There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. So Paul and Barnabas were really good at sharing the gospel. What is the gospel? I'll give it to you as quickly as I possibly can and as clear as I possibly can. The gospel is this, that we are a broken people. Humans are broken because of sin. And it separates us from God. And so there needs to be a payment for that sin. In the Old Testament, it was the sacrificial system. In the New Testament, there was one sacrifice, one atonement, one sacrifice for all people for all time, and that was Jesus Christ, who came to earth as a man but was fully God. He died, was buried, and rose again on the third day and made atonement for everybody at that time. Our job is to receive that free gift and that's where redemption comes from, and that's the good news. That's what gospel just means, good news. It's good news that we don't have to work for it. It's good news that we don't have to earn it. It's good news that we don't have to be, uh, uh, die on a cross. It's good news. There's a lot of good news. It's free. Um, it's easy. Uh, yet the journey is difficult. The journey of what the Bible calls holiness or sanctification, of setting apart, that is where it becomes difficult. And so they spoke so effectively that a number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So there's this conflict. There are these problems. Um, and so Paul and Barnabas uh, went and voted in new officials that would change the laws that would allow... No, I'm just joking, okay? <laughs> right? What do you think Paul and Barnabas did? Did they fight? Did they flee? Did they, um, did they complain? Did they go back to Jerusalem and go, ah, I can't stand the people who live in uh, Turkey. It wasn't called Turkey at that time. Uh, uh, what, what did they do? So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. <laughs> wait a minute, wait. If you're going to have a bunch of conflict, let's say you're at school, okay? And you've got some people in school that are bothering you because you're a Christian and you don't do what everyone else does or uh, you, uh, you do things that they don't do or whatever. The temptation is to leave that area because there's conflict and there's struggle and it shouldn't be that way. Paul and Barnabas stayed in the conflict. What about in the workplace? Maybe you work in a place that is hostile to your faith. Staying there is a real option. You say, yeah, but it, it just doesn't feel good to be there. I'd say, you know, I, I'm not asking you to be abused. I'm just saying that God oftentimes is comfortable with our discomfort. He doesn't mind the process. So they spend considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. So they're not like quieting down anymore. They're, 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 they're engaged. They're saying, no, this is, this is our, uh, this is the good news. We're going to share it. Um, speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message by his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. So this must have just been a very, wow, an exciting time. For Paul and Barnabas, you wake up in the morning, you don't know who's going to be confronting you, and yet at the same time, some, for some reason, God has blessed you with this ability to perform signs and wonders, and you don't know when they're going to come or how. You don't know, you know, that would be, that would be awesome. Imagine going into your day that way, going, well, 
I don't know what's going to happen at work, but I might just heal somebody. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what that would feel like, but this is what was going on. And here's what happened, and this is what happens in our lives. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and others with the apostles. And for some reason, God was comfortable with that discomfort. Had God allowed this to go on? He, he, even with the signs and wonders, there was this division, and we see it all the time in our own lives, I'm sure. You might even have this division in your own family where you have one side of the family that have the same beliefs as you. They follow the Bible. They're, they, they, they're trying to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, like the Bible says. And then you've got another half that just thinks it's hogwash. And so that's what happened. Now, this is where uh, Paul and Barnabas actually do leave. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and the Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them. Oh, yeah, and to stone them, which means to kill them. So once it gets to that level, I think uh, it, it, it's time to, to get away. And so that's what they did. They became aware of it, and they fled to the cities of um, Lycaonia, Lystra, and Derbe, and the surrounding region. And there, <laughs> they continued to preach the good news. Now, Lystra is about 20 miles away from where they were, and Derby's about 30 miles away from that. And so they're just doing this traveling kind of to these different cities, just sharing the good news of Jesus to these people and showing them through the scriptures how Jesus fulfilled these different prophecies and things like that. So let's just look at this day that they have in Lystra, which is just awesome. At Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked, Okay, now, in this particular um, time, um, if you were lame like that, if you had a disability, uh, there wasn't too much hope for you. Um, they didn't have legislation that made it easy for you. They didn't say, okay, we'll pave the roads. They didn't have anything like that. Your only option, if your family didn't take care of you, was to beg, and you would do that in front of the synagogue. And so you would beg in front of the synagogue so that everyone in the area knew exactly who you were. And they knew exactly, oh yeah, we go to the synagogue, we give our money to Joe, who hasn't been able to walk since he was a kid or at all. And then uh, that, that was kind of it. So everybody knew this guy. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed his gaze on him, had seen that he had faith to be made well. I have no idea how this happened, okay? I have no idea how Paul would be talking and then like look and go, oh, she has faith to be made well. That's because she's my lovely wife, and so uh, it, it's great. But, but, but like, I don't know how he did that, but some way the Holy Spirit was doing something in Paul where he could see, heal that guy. And so Paul does. He said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet, and he leaped up and began to walk. And everybody freaked, okay? Like you and I would. Imagine we have somebody in this congregation. We know they haven't been able to walk. We've known them for years and years and years and years. And then all of a sudden they're healed and they're walking around. Imagine what that would do uh, to this place. And that's exactly what happened. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice saying in Lycaonian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. 
which is about, if you grew up in that culture, you wouldn't have too much other thing to think about. You'd go, wow, these, the Greek gods really are true, you know? And, uh, and they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And um, I don't know if Paul and Barnabas were like, like any other dude, but like I'm super competitive. And so my first question would be, if I were Paul, how, how come I'm not Zeus? Like, <laughs> I'm the one who healed the guy, right? Hermes in Greek mythology is Zeus's son, okay? So Barnabas is probably just like, yeah, he's a dude. So, totally. So anyway, I just... Read your Bible. It's fascinating. Um, so uh, he called Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Uh, yeah. And uh, so check this out. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands um, to the gates and wanted to offer a sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles uh, Barnabas and Paul heard of it. They tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd crying out. Now, um, this, was, this would be uh, something required of Paul and Barnabas. Whenever um, somebody in uh, the, the Jewish um, uh, culture was worshipped as God, they would tear their robes almost to show, look, I'm, it's just, I'm just a man, you know. Um, and so there'd just be this quick reaction of like, no, do not worship me. We only worship uh, God and him only, okay. So this was a very big deal to Paul and Barnabas. They had to show, they had to tell them and explain to them, it is not by our power at all. But I want you to see the scene here. Because Paul and Barnabas now have a free ticket to do whatever they want. The crowds think they're amazing. The crowds are, they, get, they have a 100% approval rating, okay? 100%. Not only that, people are willing to sacrifice animals to them. They've risen to power. Oftentimes, in the church, we feel like if we could get the right people in power, everything would go okay. Be very careful of the crowds. Be very careful of power. Be very careful of control. That is not where the kingdom of God seems to work best. The kingdom of God seems to work best for some reason when we are going through our trials. Our difficulty. Now, does God bless with comfort? Does he bless with, with um, a, a raise or a new house or children? Absolutely he does. But that is not the goal. The goal is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, to become more like Jesus. And you do not have to look very far in Jesus' ministry to see all the conflict. You do not have to look very far at his death to see all the pain. That God, for some reason, feels comfortable in our discomfort. And so they cry out, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel, the good news to you, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. This is so neat the way uh, Paul talks to them within their culture. How and we'll see this in two more weeks when Paul um, has a, a really great speech on Mars Hill, um, which is 
uh, ironic that it's on a, on, on a hill named after a Greek god. Um, and so uh, he, he's trying to tell them, like, it, instead of going to the Old Testament, because they're Gentiles, they wouldn't understand. He's, he's talking to them about, look at creation. God created that. And so he says he made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that was in them. And generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. And yet he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good. And he gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even saying these things, uh, with difficulty, they restrain the crowds from offering a sacrifice to them. So even when they're trying to explain, listen, you, first of all, you guys are, follow wacky gods that don't exist. Um, uh, they're, they're still like, oh man, what if we miss out on this opportunity to sacrifice to the gods who have come down in human form? So they, this is a great day for Paul and Barnabas. I mean, it's going fantastic. You really can't get any better. They're, 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 they're sharing the gospel. People are coming to Christ. Um, they're, 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 now they're rock stars in the city. They go anywhere they want. They could have access probably to all the officials, everything. And then the next verse happens. And, and this might sound like a downer, but it's really not. <laughs> Some of us, are feeling exactly what Paul and Barnabas are feeling. Everything is going great right now for you. And that's great. Praise God. That is awesome. But then Acts 14, 19 starts out with this. But, <laughs> like it's going great. Everything looks like roses. You're healing people, which is awesome. People are wanting to sacrifice animals to you, which would be awesome. I, I, I think that would be a fun experience. Right? Like, all these different things. Everyone loves you. But. That but can come in the form of a doctor's appointment. It can come in the form of a phone call. It can come in the form of a circumstance. It can come in the form of a downsize. It can come in the form of an intoxicated driver. It could come in the form of all sorts of stuff. It could come in the form of a misstep. But what happens? But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Remember, Iconium was where they just came from, that they had to flee. So they were being pursued. <laughs> These people were dead serious about this, not to put too fine a point on it. And Antioch is 90 miles away, okay? So, and, and Paul had already been in Antioch. So you, you're having the places where he was preaching the gospel, he would preach the gospel, some would believe, some wouldn't. The ones who didn't would, would, would start to plot against him and then he'd escape. And so this was Paul's life. So Paul understood when things were going really well in the city, not to get too caught up into it <laughs> because conflict was coming. Can you imagine what we would look like as a church if when things were going well, we just knew, let's not get too caught up in it. Because God seems to be comfortable in our discomfort. And so he says, uh, they, having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul. Like, that's a, that's a, that's a day, man. <laughs> that is a wacky day. Well, I don't know, actually, if it happened 
in, in that same day. But, but, but this narrative ties those two together. I think the, the author, Luke, is doing this on purpose. You've got all this great stuff happening, and then all of a sudden, it turns. And now you're being persecuted. They're not selling Paul and Barnabas t-shirts anymore, <laughs> okay? They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Man, my other question was this. Where was Barnabas? <laughs> yeah, all right, think about that. He wasn't around, so I don't know what happened. If he's just like, well, I think it was Hermes that did it. I don't know what, what he was uh, doing. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. <laughs> that would have freaked me out because you think he's dead, and all the disciples are probably like looking down like, I don't, I don't know if he's breathing or not. Then he's just like, okay, let's go back in the city. So a couple things there. And we see from 2 Timothy, Paul actually talks to Timothy about this encounter, and he says, the Lord rescued me. So we don't know if this is the Lord actually just, he was dead, and the Lord just brought him back to life, or he pretend, the Lord said, you know, play dead, and they'll drag you out. I don't know how it all happened, but the, Paul sees this as the Lord rescuing him. My other question is, how in the world do you go back into the city? That is the last place I would go. I'd probably become a monk or something, like somewhere. Like, they didn't have that yet. That came later in our history, world history. But, like, I would just, he goes back into the city. The next day, he went away with Barnabas to Derby. So apparently, Bar Barnabas was still in the city. After he had preached the gospel in that city, <laughs> encouraging them to continue in the faith. I want you to see something that was shocking to me. Paul has been doing ministry now. We, uh, when Jonathan uh, preached a couple weeks ago, uh, he talked about Paul's conversion, that Paul was a persecutor of the church, and Paul would go after Christians, and that God met Paul uh, on a road to Damascus, and he showed up like a shining white light, and he says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, who is this? <laughs> and he says, I am Jesus who you persecuted. And Paul goes blind. And so Paul has this amazing call story, this amazing conversion. And, he, and he's blind, and then God calls someone else to go minister to Paul. And so once Paul's converted, he's, he's off to the races. He's going. And so this is, this is what he's uh, doing. And so he sees so much. In the kingdom of God, he sees the healings. He sees uh, the growth. He sees the, the, the tension and the division. And so this particular verse says he was strengthening the souls of the disciples. That's, that sounds pretty cool. He goes back. He, he goes through all the cities. They, they come to Christ, and then he goes back, back away and makes sure that, that they're a disciple, that they're strengthened. Strengthening the souls of uh, the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, now what do you think Paul is going to say in order to strengthen them and encourage them? Um, it's all going to be worth it because you're going to die and go to heaven and be with Jesus and it'll be fantastic and you'll have eternal life. Does he encourage them by saying, look, God is going to give you back tenfold whatever you give to him and you'll, you'll, you'll drive a Maserati, you know. How do you encourage the church 
This is what he says. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. That doesn't sound encouraging to me at all. I don't think I'd come up with that as my encouragement. But it is encouraging. It is encouraging. Because the other theology would be that because something is going wrong in your life, you somehow deserve it. That God is punishing you. Now, don't get me wrong, we all have consequences for our lifestyle and for the decisions we make. And in some cases, what we are going through has been brought on by God um, either to stop us from a destructive thing or whatever. But that is not accurate theology in, in, in all cases. That maybe there's something that God is doing in your life through the discomfort, through the trial, through the adversity, that is going to grow you into someone who sees God in a greater way, in a more intimate way. Maybe it's training. It's kind of like, maybe it's like going to the, a personal trainer. I've never gone to a personal trainer because they frighten me. But, uh, but, you know, if you went to a personal trainer and you said, listen, I want to get in shape. And they say, oh, you want to get in shape, you know fantastic. Uh, how many pull-ups can you do? And you're like, ups? <laughs> or up? I can do one pull-up, right? And he says, okay, no, we're going we're gonna to work. It's pain. It's pain. A personal trainer, they get paid to make you feel bad. That's what they get paid to do. Kind of like a pastor. That's my job. I can't help it. In the same way, God doesn't waste any of our pain. He, 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 he seems to see a value. Now, he doesn't cause it like he's not doing this to, to harm us. So he doesn't get some big thrill out of it. But he doesn't waste any of it. And he uses it to grow us up in him. And theology that says... Um, a, a life without any trials, without any pain, is, is somehow this thing to be achieved. It hasn't read the Bible. Hasn't seen Paul, Peter, John, Jesus. Almost every single, hasn't read any of the, of the major or minor prophets. We live in a broken world. And I praise God that he does not waste any of our pain. Through many tribulations, this Greek word many doesn't just mean number, it means variety. There's all sorts of tribulations, and through them, you can experience the kingdom of God in a way you couldn't if you lived a life of comfort. We almost know this intuitively. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They passed through Pisidia and came into Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed to Antioch, which is exactly where the people were that came and stoned them. I don't know why they did that. From which they had been commended to the grace of God for their work that they had accomplished. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them 
and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles and he spent a long time with the disciples. I don't, I don't know what you're going through, um, what this week looked like. and For some of you, I do know your story and you've been going through trials for a long time. And I would only say this, that as a community of believers, our job is to gather around you and to encourage you and to support you and to pray for you. But you have a heavenly father that knows exactly what you're going through. Maybe it's with your kids, maybe it's with your job, maybe it's with your parents, maybe it's with coworkers or students, fellow students that you have at school. Maybe it's in a relationship that you have or don't have. And God knows. And it's through those tribulations, through those trials, that oftentimes we approach God in a new way and we learn new things about him. And just knowing that he feels comfortable in our discomfort. And sometimes he'll take it away. Sometimes they'll take it away miraculously. I want to read one other section of Scripture. It's in 1 Peter. And Peter knows a thing or two about suffering. And uh, this is the first letter that we have of him uh, writing. There's, a, there's another one. He says this. He's, he's talking to these, these fellow Christians And they're just going through a really hard time. A lot of persecution, um, a lot of unfairness. You talk about, (laughs) you talk about trying, having problems in the government. Okay, they were occupied by Rome. Okay, it was it was not a good, uh, a good time to be a Christian. You had no rights. Oftentimes, you lived in poverty. Beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. Man, that is hard. When you're going through it, when you're in the depths, when you feel like you have no hope, I would have inserted survive. I would have said, I would have said, uh, but survive. You can do it. You can make it. Hang in there. Peter says, rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory which is the Spirit of God, is testing, is resting on you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, a criminal, or even uh, as a mischief maker. That's cool. Yet, in any, uh, if any of you suffers as a Christian, do not consider it a disgrace, but glorify God because you bear his name. Mm-hmm.